It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Always follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on v It's good to have you on board here on a Wednesday morning. Mitch Moss along with Jonathan Von Tobel. Paulie is out sick again today. We're live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. And the show, as always, is brought to you by DraftKings. Every Wednesday, Jeff Seeley joins the program now. He's on X at Cutmaker Jeff. And his podcast is called the Cutmaker Podcast. Uh, we go to the tournament formerly known as the Honda Classic, Jeff. Uh, the Cognizant Open now is what it's uh, referred to moving, moving forward. And Rory is playing this week. And I was asking the question before the uh, commercial break at the end of last hour, like what is your advice going to be for either betting on, fading, or stay to, staying away from Rory this week as he is around plus 650 to win this thing outright? He's played well here in the past, um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a short price. And, and guys, I would, I would tell anyone, I mean, this, this is an interesting week because there are a handful of guys who grade out so, so, so strongly. Um, but this is a tournament that has a, a, a huge wide variance. A lot of things can happen here, So I wouldn't play anybody under 10 to one pre tournament. Um, you know, obviously Rory's the, the most talented player in the field. If he's in the hunt later, you could, you could take a look at it, but pre-flop, um, there's no way I'd play anybody under 10 to one. Jeff, when you're handicapping uh, like this one specifically in terms of uh, your parameters for a golfer, what kind of game do you want on a course like this? Yeah, so this is again. This is um, a, a super tough course. That is a a you got to make you got to approach and putting right. So a lot of courses like take Mexico last week. Mexico was almost just the opposite. It was you had to just go bombs away, wide open fairways, and you saw a guy in Nap who was could hit the, drive the ball as well as anyone or better than most. Uh, you know, win last week and this week. This is this brings a lot more guys into the field. It's a lot more target golf. And you got to make putts. So when you look at last year, a guy who I love to play, Eric Cole, um, you know, was runner-up to Chris Kirk. Eric Cole also happens to be a member here in, in the club champion. So that was kind of his burst on the scene nationwide. But guys like that, guys who are you know good approach play, uh, good putters, 
just put it in the fairway and, and, and hit the greens because there's a ton of water out here. So if you're not accurate with you off, off the tee and on your approach, uh, there's a good chance you're going to get wet. Okay, so you brought up Eric Cole. He also jumped off the page to me this week. And you're betting this stuff right away as soon as the markets are opening up. You did grab Cole 35-1. to 1. He's been dropping big time. What's, what's the number out there, if there is still one, that you would say, you know, what's still worth a shot? Or does that num- number not exist anymore? No, I think you can find them, you know, find them at 28 or 29, around 30, I think is still a reasonable number to play okay. Cole. Um, again, he's a guy I've played a lot, but he's, he just, it's ironic. You've got a guy who grades number one in about any model you're going to run, and he's a member here, and he took second last year. So it's like this just all adds up for a phenomenal spot to bet Eric Cole. Um, you know, the, the issue is, if there is one, is that, there, again, there's a lot of trouble here. The wind could pick up. Anything can happen. It can play tough. But this, again, you got a guy who's a member at this course who play, who's played here a ton. So if there's anyone I trust, the more difficult it gets, I would say it's Eric Cole. So um, I think if there's ever a spot you want to play him, yeah, this is a little shorter number than we usually do. But amazing Eric Cole week. The, the biggest bet I'm going to have this week is Eric Cole top 20. Uh, I just think that's a terrific, terrific opportunity. Would there be any golfers you think would probably garner some attention from betters that you would recommend? Ah, not really. Something sticks out here that they don't really, really play well on this course. Guys you would stay away from. That's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I, a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick is a guy I'm not going to play this week, who I think will be pretty popular. Um, Cam Young, another guy who is an elite ball striker, um, but traditionally you, you play him on longer courses. I think those guys will be interesting. Um, Russell Henley has had success here. He's a guy I'm not going to bet this week. Um, so there's a lot of those. Tom Kim, another guy who profiles well. Those are just guys that I think are are fine, but I think we can find better better prices on guys who profile similarly or a little better at a longer price. I'll give you a guy who it feels like he's been in the mix a lot this year. I don't know if he's going to win one outright at some point, like if that's going to pop, but I feel like if you can continue to bet him in the placement markets, like top 20-ish, JT Poston will be there. How strong are you on him this week, and do you think he has a chance to win it outright? Uh, he, yeah, he certainly could. And, and honestly, when we talk about DraftKings, I think if you're playing DFS on DraftKings this week, he's a really good pivot to Eric Cole, who I think will be the most popular player. So I mean, the crazy thing with, with Poston is he grades out again very well, very similar to Eric Cole. I play him a lot in a lot of the, the same spots, but he's third in the field in total strokes gained over the past 24 rounds. Um, form-wise, amazing run, guys. Nine top tens in his last 16 events. Nine? That's insane. That's crazy. The only, the, only, the only guy in the field better is Rory. So, again, the only quote-unquote concern I would have, he hasn't been great here, but he has, he has finished 27th here, so you know he can at least show up decently. I think he's a good outright flyer, you know, 35-1 to 1 or so, between 30 and 35-1. to 1. And, again, another terrific top 20 spot. And, and even take a look at top 10s for a guy who's got nine or less 16 posts worth a look. All right, before we get to more of your outrights, I'm really curious. Uh, any matchups that you play? Are you a matchup guy? Anything looking at here for what used to be behind the Classic? Yeah, there, yeah honestly, guys, um, there's a lot. Of, so on, on DraftKings, again, there's a lot of these guys. Um, I, I don't have them right in front of me right now, but all the guys I'm, I'm mentioning, I played in matchups on DraftKings as well. So I know I played Cole in a matchup on DK. Um I'm going to play post in a matchups on DK. So 
Um, all of these guys that we'll be talking about, I, I will play in matchups as well. And, and almost, almost if they're, you know, minus 130 or better, I'm going to be playing these guys. Okay, it's Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Our guest, Jeff Seeley, he is on X at Cutmaker Jeff. And his podcast is called the Cutmaker Podcast as well. So the story this year on the PGA Tour has been the bombs coming in almost every single week. Let's work our way down the board a little bit then. And let's begin in the, you know, 40 to 1 range or a little bit more. State your case for uh, Chris Kirk this week. Guys, this is crazy. Chris Kirk won this last year. Um, and there's not a lot to not like. I mean, he he won the century in January, followed up with an 18th at the Sony, 26th at Pebble, then awesome here, 7th, 25th, and a win in his last three trips. So we've got a guy who's very accurate. Uh, Chris Kirk is number one in the field with his wedges. Mentioned you got to be a- accurate on your approach. We know he can putt here. He won last year. He beat Eric Cole in the playoffs top 20 player accuracy off the tee. I think Chris Kirk is a tremendous spot. Again, easy to find him on the hunt and an easy uh, top 20 play. And then another guy, guys, it's, 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 I'm on the show every week, right? We got to get that Sepp Straka. But Mitch, <laughs> we've been betting, we've been betting Sepp Straka at 90 to one, right? Now we find him at 45 to one. And, and again, guys, he's had a tremendous run since last July, had 14 events in 14 events. He has a win two seconds, a top, a top 10, two top 20s, two top 30s, play the Ryder Cup. But most importantly, we're getting a guy here who has um, has finished really, really well here, a fifth and a win in his last two trips. The, the issue that Straka's had lately is he has not been putting well, but we get him in a course where he's averaged three and a half strokes putting on his last two trips here. Um, I think this is a great bounce back shot for Straka. Well, again, we usually get him in the 90s, but even 45 to 1, uh, I'm in on Straka this week. Yeah, and if I know Jeff Seeley, like I think I know Jeff Seeley, Straka was going to be one guy, Cole another, and also this week, with his current form, you're going to make the case for Tom Hoagie somehow, some way, correct? Uh, absolutely, and, and 60 to 1, again, you get one of the best ball strikers on tour, and you get a you get him at 60 to 1, a really good price. I'm not worried about Hoagie missing the greens, the only thing I'm really worried about here would be putting. But over the past 24 rounds, Hoagie's first in the field on approach. So we're getting the best approach player of the last 24 rounds, third in par three scoring, which is super important here, and 26 in putting. So if he's even field average putting-wise, he's going to be in the hunt. He's in the midst of a stretch where he has two top 10s and two top 20s in his last five events. We're getting a Hoagie heater. <laughs> he's done this twice before in the past three years. Um, really, really interested in Hoagie. The, the issue here is is that he has not played well here lately. He finished 37th here eight years ago, but he's missed four straight cuts coming in. Interesting. I think that I think that's baked into the price, though. I think we're getting the benefit of poor course form, and so I'm going to play a little bit on the outright. But I'm going to I'm going to ride the wave, play some top 20 on Hoagie. But here, again, we know this with Hoagie, right? He's a guy who can win. Or missed the cut. So he's a high variance guy, but sixty to one is a price that's worth it. Okay, you've been uh, licking your chops to get the to the bomb player of the week uh, before you came onto this. Actually, during the commercial break, you're got you're like, guys, I can't wait to talk about this dude. In like two minutes here, there's a guy that's available around two hundred and twenty to one, and you love him to go top twenty. Who is it? Yeah, guys. So you, you take a guy who has not been in incredible form lately but he does have two top tens in his last 14 events. So I would listen to that. Now, if you tell me he's playing an event where he has back-to-back top tens, you've really got my attention. 
Now you're going to tell me that he's number two on approach, number six in driving accuracy, and on a course where you got to be accurate with your wedges and hit fairways, and number 18 in par three scoring at north of 50 to one, I would just blindly bet it. Now you can tell me you can find him at over 200 to one and plus 550 top 20. Sam Ryder, guys, is a terrific, terrific bet this week. Plus 550 top 20, where ties pay full is unreal. I think a phenomenal price. You can play him in DFS under $6,000, which is basically free. Uh, hmm. Sam Ryder is going to make for a, a tremendous opportunity this week. I mean, honestly, he should be he should be in double digits, not triple digits, huh. and wow. little, a little low 200 to one. So I just think where this is a tremendous, tremendous spot. Especially again, you know, you throw a few bucks on the outright, but plus five fifty, top twenty, you very seldom see that on a guy with this kind of potential form here and, and model coming in. Yeah, and you're a big fan of that one, correct? The top twenty at that price. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, there you go. Follow Jeff on X. He's at Cutmaker Jeff, and his podcast is called the Cutmaker Podcast. Excellent stuff as always, my man. Good luck this week. Thanks for the time. Thanks, fellas. There you go. Welcome. Wow, so am I. <laughs> please, please, books be open. Take bets right now before all these numbers change. Up next, tonight's NBA card. A small favorite is 24-2 versus teams below 500. The precise criteria for their opponent tonight. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you check out everything you have up on the website at your disposal if you're a VEASAN Pro subscriber. And if you're not, well, guess what? We'll give you an annual subscription for only $199. That's right. It's usually $240, but we've decided let's give them a little break here. All you got to do, use a promo code FTM. You get daily best bets, access to the betting splits courtesy of DraftKings, and the upcoming March Madness betting guide, by the way. Assignments were handed out yesterday. The conference tournament write-ups will be out there, too. So check it all out. Promo code FTM at VSIN.com slash subscribe. They can also get... 
your NBA write-ups. Yes, every day. Every single day with analysis and best bets. Uh, last check, you're up how many units now on the year? Uh, what are we, 15 right now? Yeah. The high water mark was what, 20 22, plus? 22, something like that. Got, got really hot, unsustainably hot. And then I was like, it was weird because I, even as I was betting, I'm like, man, there's no way. Like, I feel like I'm on thin ice here. Yeah. Came, okay. little, came back down. So we both thought last night was a pretty good combination. We had it in our best bets portion of the show yesterday to bet on Atlanta with no Trey Young, yeah. but also fade Utah at the same time. You had a good observation on that team yesterday. What, what do you want to point out here moving forward with the Jazz? It's just like this is so first off, and this is, I think, lost at the trade deadline by the betting market. The, the Jazz for a team that are floating around 11th are actually a pretty highly rated team. And rightfully so. They're very well coached. They were a team last year that was one of the best in the NBA in terms of the ATS numbers. I think they're still up there. We were just talking about it right in terms of top five. But what I think is lost in, in the sauce, if you will, is the fact that even though you don't remember or know really much about like the impact of Kelly Olenek or Simone Fontecchio or Ochak Baji, three guys that were shipped off at the trade deadline, those are three guys that average 20-plus minutes a game for the Utah Jazz, who, again, are not even a play-in team at this point right now. And now you go back to last night and what's going on with this team, and you're getting, and rightfully so, but you know, you're getting 29, 30 minutes from Taylor Hendricks, a rookie who was in the G League earlier this year. Keontae George played over 30 minutes for this team, and they're doing the right thing by developing these rookies and these young guys, but they're doing just that. This is all about developmental process for these guys. And so while you're still getting good minutes from guys like Larry Markinen and uh, you know uh, Jordan Clarkson, they're doing more to turn this team over to the young guys that are going to be a part of this club. And I think that's what's kind of lost here in terms of the market consistently powering Utah where it's at. It, it's, it's not the same team that covered as many games as they were last year or the team that got off to the start they are. Now it's about developing rookies, giving them 30-plus minutes a game. And I think you're just kind of seeing that in terms of the play. And it's why I think that this mark, this team's a little overvalued. And you look at the ATS numbers, Mitch, in recent form, they've been awful. Uh, Utah Jazz have been. Yep. They got the win and they, they got the cover over the San Antonio Spurs. But you're talking about a team that is now 1-7 ATS in their last eight games. And if you expand that out, we're talking about 3-10 and 10 ATS in their last 13 the market's just a little too high on this. So I came into this coming out of the, the first half, if you will, and into this, it's been consistently betting against Utah. And so far it has come to fruition that I just, I'm, a, I'm at odds with the market here. The market's too high. All right. So we had Julian Edlow on the show 45 minutes ago. He hosts a show on the weekends here called The Sweat, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. And I kind of razzed him a little bit because he did not give out the Pelicans first half. Right. It, because they, it's seemingly the Pelicans play every single Wednesday when Julian joins us, and he's ma- they've been awesome covering first-half numbers, right? So when he was on, I was staring right at an app, a national sportsbook app that had the Pacers laying seven tonight. Well, that's long gone because they're now down to five and a half. Pelicans taking money here early this morning, and the total is 239. Do you have any opinion on this game at all? No, only because when, I, again, like I like to have early in the mornings, the tough part of betting these games is you want clarity on what's going to happen. And the, as Julian mentioned, right, you have questions as to whether or not the New Orleans Pelicans are going to rest anybody. You've had guys that have been playing with questionable tags for the last couple of days. So you want to make sure that you're going to have guys that are going to be out there on the floor. And I think that's part of the big thing here. Pacers have a couple of guys that are questionable, uh, 
but the real one is Aaron Neesmith, who's questionable. He's been missing some time recently. That's not going to impact this number. It's more whether or not you're going to get Zion Williamson and or Brandon Ingram out there on the floor on the second leg of a back-to-back, especially on the road against an Eastern Conference opponent where some of these Western Conference matchups are going to hold a little bit more weight. So if you're going to rest, guys, this might be an opportunity to do it if you're New Orleans. So I didn't have a real opinion because, again, I'd rather have clarity. I've been burned too many times trying to get ahead of injury reports and say, you know what, no, I'm reading the tea leaves here. Sure. Uh, I think that this makes sense that they would actually come out and play this guy, and then, in fact, they do not. <laughs> and yep. I don't want to do it again. Okay, so the Cavaliers, they had the buzzer beater last night, half-court buzzer beater, Max Drews to win the game against the Mavericks. Both those teams, by the way, playing back-to-back tonight's. But for the meantime, we'll stick with the Cleveland Cavaliers here. They open up four-point favorites on the road against the Bulls tonight. They've been bet up to five now at a bunch of spots. The Bulls are below 500. The Cavaliers are the team that I hinted about before the break. They are 24-2 and two straight up against teams below 500. Beating the crap out of them. They are. They're taking them out behind the woodshed, doing their business, and moving on to the next game. Do you agree with this line move, however? Um, I wouldn't necessarily, because here's the, the thing with Chicago that's kind of annoying, um, is that they're trying. It's annoying because I have this under on their win total. And they're still covering numbers at a relatively decent clip. They've been pretty good this season overall. Uh, specifically, though, at home as a home underdog this season, Chicago, 6-3. Uh, and There's going to be 6-4 and four straight up, 6-3-1 and one against the spread. This has been a favorable situation for them. And for Cleveland, while I think you've been taking care of business against some of these lesser teams, at the very least for Chicago, they have been up for a lot of these matchups. And the Bulls do have a little bit of size that they can match up with the size down low for Cleveland. And I think you can make the argument that Cleveland right now is flying at the, the top of the market. They have failed to cover their last six games. Uh, if you look at the stretch that they have been on, despite the fact that, if I remember correctly, I think right now, Mitch, we're talking about a team that is in the range of, I want to say 13-3 and three in their last 16 games. They've only covered, uh, I think I've got it down as about six of those games. Okay. So, like, they're not covering at a really high clip because they're power rated to the moon. So, I would actually lean more here towards Chicago. If you're going to be at full strength, you're going to have guys out there. They've been good in the home dog role. And Cleveland, while they've been beating up on teams, winning is one thing, covering is another. When mm-hmm. you're power rated as high as Cleveland has, it's shown as they failed to cover their last six games. So, the team they played last night and they beat at the buzzer, the Dallas Mavericks, they open up three and a half. Yeah. They're, now, they're on the road again but they had to go north of the border to play Toronto. And they opened up three and a half. They're down to two and a half at uh, a couple of spots, including here at Circa. Mavericks, Raptors, obviously with a high total as well. They're 242 and a half. The Mavs are 18 and five versus teams below 500. Raptors, nine and 23 versus teams above 500. Do you like Dallas though here? Uh, no, I think Toronto. Yeah, think really? We, yeah, okay. we, we would circle. I think first off, um, when you're looking at the Raptors, they're going to be they're going to have a slight rest advantage, right? They had a day off, so they're playing at home here against Dallas that is coming in on no rest, uh, willing to kind of run up and down the floor and push the tempo here for a team that might be a little taxed after a really tough matchup in Cleveland yesterday. Uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, you're talking about your third game in four days. So again, not only are you coming in on no rest, but it's a less than favorable situation in terms of overall games played up to this point, especially when you have to go, right, to travel up north of the border, play a team that's going to try to run you up and down the floor as often as possible. Now, Jakob Pertle might not play. Yep. But that actually might speed Toronto up, right? They actually play really quickly with Pertle on the floor anyway, but without kind of a plotting big, you're going a little bit smaller. You're going to be able to spread the floor out. I think this might be a pretty tough matchup given what you just saw. And look, we saw Indiana. Right over the weekend, Indiana gave Dallas trouble because they were running up and down the floor, and that's not necessarily something that Dallas wants to do. So, given the fact that you're in a negative rest situation, third game in four nights, playing a, a tough team, at least in terms of the pace that they play with, I would want to play Toronto. And there's the door open that uh, look, 
The usage rate has been insanely high for Luka. Kyrie Irving has missed time. There is a small chance that you might see one or both of these, uh, one of these guys maybe take a night off here uh, against Toronto on the second leg of back-to-back, given the situation schedule-wise. All right, so no, the marquee game of the night tonight is in Los Angeles. Yeah, baby. Technically, it's a Clippers home game against the Lakers, and the Clip joint opened up a four-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. There is no Paul George in this game tonight. And the Lakers took some money as a result. I think it got down to three, actually, at the lowest point. Now back to three and a half at most spots. I think that uh, you actually said this before the show started. You're the wrong guy to talk to about the Clippers because you love this team. Yep, absolutely. You love them tonight? Uh, I think think they're the side here against the Los Angeles Lakers. First off, they've played the matchup well overall. Now, here's the thing, though, and this is... Let me ask you this. Yeah. Are Are you and have you been higher on the Clippers than the market the entire year? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Especially when they were actually covering numbers. And that's what I was going to bring up here really quickly is the market's kind of finally caught up. And the, the, the play has not been consistent for them. They're 3-4 and four, uh, straight up in their last seven games. They're 0-7 against the spread. Or excuse me, 1-6 against the spread in those seven games, too. So the market's finally caught up with, from power rating perspective, where this team should actually be. And while they're playing at home, you don't rate this as a normal home court. You rate it in the sense that you're playing in your own floor. But, of course, it's going to be a Laker-heavy crowd considering it's in Los Angeles and it's in, um, what, the crypt now, as we call it. Uh, But this is a team that comes in. They've had two days off. They're getting ready. They're practicing. Uh, This has kind of been the mindset here for this team. If you read, like, the clippings coming out of uh, Los Angeles for the Los Angeles Clippers, really focusing on their their ability to defend, which has been kind of hit or miss here over the last couple of games. Gave up 129 to OKC. Gave up 123 to Sacramento. Both of those games losses. Think you'll be able to do it. And don't take the questionable tag seriously for LeBron James. He's been listed as questionable for every single game. He's going to play tonight here against the Los Angeles Clippers. But I think that this is one where you might see a small bump in favor of the Lakers when you get closer to game time, Mm because that's when the public comes in, and that's when you'll get the official, hey, LeBron's active. But I still think this closes about three, and you come in here and lay it with the Los Angeles Clippers today. All right, one side note. uh, As we're talking about teams and their records against uh, teams above 500, Boston is number one in the NBA, 23 and 11. Minnesota and OKC are right behind them at 23 and 12 and 22 and 12, respectively. Then there's a massive drop-off to everybody else. The Wolves and OKC are absolutely for real this year. Oh, 100%. 100%. They can come out of the Western Conference. Jay Billis on the program coming up next. The broadcast crew compared Kentucky to UConn from a year ago. We'll ask Jay if that's a fair analogy next here on VEASAN. morning with the daily dose of winning strategies insider tips and the latest buzz with the free vsin daily newsletter in today's newsletter bill uh, pays homage to the wild night in hoops last night yeah multiple buzzer readers across both college and pro and ties it into the betting world get expert analysis and the latest odds delivered straight to your inbox absolutely free vsin.com slash newsletter vsin.com slash newsletter to subscribe and we'll hit college basketball here as the great jay billis joins the program from espn jay it's a pleasure talking to you today sir how you been I'm great. I hope you are. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Um, let's begin with this. I'm watching the, uh, you know, most of that Kentucky game at Mississippi State last night. And at the tail end of the game, the broadcast crew on ESPN, Carl Ravitch and Jimmy Dykes, they were comparing this year's Kentucky team and how they're getting better as March approaches to last year's UConn team and, team and how they were kind of doing the same thing. Do you think that's a fair analogy? Well, I mean, Kentucky's very good. Uh, I wouldn't compare them to last year's UConn team. Um, I think the difference, at least to me, is, one, Kentucky's not even ranked in the top 80 in defense. Last Mm -hmm. year, UConn was ranked in the top 10. 
they were top 10 in both offense and defense. Uh, Kentucky's got a, a great offense, and they're one of the best transition teams in the country, but their defense uh, is really spotty, and uh, they give up a lot. Um, but uh, last year, people tend to forget this, for the first maybe month, month and a half of the season, uh, most of us thought UConn was the best team. And they were ranked in the top two. I don't think they reached number one in that month and a half period, but they were number two. And they went through a stretch in early February, late, late, maybe it was January into February. They lost like six of eight in, uh, in Big East play. And then they didn't lose again until the Big East tournament. They got clipped by Marquette in the semifinals. But they, they were a much, in my view, a much different team than this Kentucky team. But that doesn't mean Kentucky can't do something extraordinary in the tournament. And uh, uh, so, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to disagree with my colleagues. I mean, they were, they're, <laughs> they're there and looking at it. And they can think what they want. I wouldn't make that myself make that, but, but it's an interesting proposition. Put them on blast. No, uh, let me ask you this then. When you watch Kentucky defensively, we, can, we look at the numbers and we understand they're bad defensively. But what is it about their defense, Jay, that is poor? Is it perimeter defense? Is it lack of size down low to keep teams off the offensive glass? What is it schematically that has bothered Kentucky on defense? It's, it's, it's all connected, but they, they haven't shown the ability to consistently defend screen and roll situations. There are times when their help side defense breaks down. Um, they rely a lot on shot blocking, which is great. Um, and then their defensive rebounding is, is I'd say it's, it's okay. It's not great. It's not something that they do extraordinarily well, but um, you know, they're, they give up a lot of second shot opportunities and for a team of that athleticism and size, um, I think they could do better, but you know, it, it, like Offense and defense and, and transition or conversion, whatever you want to call it, those things are all connected. And so sometimes you could say, like with a given team, not Kentucky, but they don't, maybe they don't turn the ball over, but they take a bad shot. It puts their defense in a bad spot and they give up something easy in transition. That's not necessarily their half court defense. Or if they give up offensive rebounds, their first shot defense may be pretty good, but they give up an offensive rebound and then it's 50% you know, uh, their, their field goal defense on that possession. Um, Kentucky's good. I mean, they're, they're in their, they're spectacular offensively, but, uh, I don't think it takes a genius to, to watch them play and look at their, look at their defensive numbers and they've gotten better in particular games. There are certain games where their defense is better than others, but overall, uh, the trend is not as positive. Um, I would say is if you make the, you know, go back to what uh, the announcer said last night that they, they look like Connecticut, um, you know, people see things differently. It doesn't look like it to me, but you know, that tends to, to make it a thing where if you don't bring it in a given game, you get clipped in the tournament and you're out. Um, and it doesn't mean consistency always wins, but I prefer high level consistency to, to not. Sure. Let's follow the money here on Visa and the sports betting network. Our guest, Jay Billis from ESPN, so staying in that conference, and I'll add the Big 12 as well, like every game, for the most part, is a battle for these teams in these two conferences. Tonight, the SEC, no exception. Three out of the four games, we get Auburn at Tennessee. South Carolina plays at Texas A&M, and Alabama's at Mississippi. How much do you think that's going to help out those two conferences when those teams make it to the, to the dance next month? It, you know, that, that's sometimes 
kind of backward looking. Uh, you know, you hear sometimes when a team loses in the tournament, well, they were worn out. You know, they mm-hmm. got to their conference title game and all that, and then the, the gauntlet of the SEC or the Big 12 or whatever league. And then when they win, iron sharpens iron, and they were, you know, they were toughened up by it. Um, it just kind of depends. I mean, you know, the only guarantee we have in the NCAA tournament is that that when you go into a game, when you go into the first round, and there are uh, 32 games or whatever it is, um, half the teams are going to lose. And you know, but, but good luck picking which half. Right. So um, it, it's a uh, that those games are a crapshoot, but. Oftentimes, the better teams tend to do better overall, and uh, and I think this year will be largely the same. But it, it seems like every year that we say, "Boy, it's going to be wild," it's not as wild as we think. And then other years, we think we have it knocked, and it's crazy. Right. <laughs> um, so who, who who knows? I mean, if anybody could predict this, we'd all be with you in Vegas, sitting by the pool with a drink in our hand, not worrying about it. Absolutely. All right. So one of the guy, one of the teams that I, I really like a lot here is Iowa State. Uh, they have been absolutely incredible so far this season. Underrated in the Big Twelve. Uh, they get Oklahoma today. But big picture, what's the staying power of a team like the Cyclones with the way that they play? They're very good, as as you say. I you know they're they do a great job of forcing turnovers. So defensively, they're truly outstanding. They're one of the top five defensive teams in the country. So they're very disruptive on the defensive end. They've got really good guard play. Um, Taman Lipsy is really good, and uh, Keyshawn Gilbert. They, they got a good backcourt. Um, they're they're not quite as powerful on the offensive end. Um, they're not a great free throw shooting team, but they're they're legit, and uh, and they certainly have a chance. Um, but you know, to me, there's a difference between Final Four good, which they are, and national championship good. Um, and obviously you can have an, uh, you know, uh, you can, if you can get to the final four, you can win a national championship dependent upon, you know, the other three teams that, that wind up making it. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to win in the tournament that that's a given, but when you really look at it, when you get into a, your bracket or your region, 75% of the best teams in the country aren't even in your region. Sure. So, you know, getting to the final four is one thing, but winning it is, is another. I want to throw four more teams at you and see if you think there's a difference between what you just said, Final Four good and National Championship good. And, I mean, they're all potential one seeds here. Three of them probably are going to be. It's Houston, Purdue, Tennessee, and Arizona. Do you like any of those teams above the the rest of the group there that I threw at you? Yeah, I mean, I think Purdue is uh, of of those teams. Connecticut's the best team in my view. Yes. And then I, then I would go with Purdue. Um, you know, the only thing about Purdue is going to be, you know, are they going to carry the baggage that they have from losing the last three years to double digit seeds? You know, that's a re- I think that's a real thing mentally, you know, do, do they tighten up in a close game? Um, you know, we'll see, but, uh, they're, they're legit and they've got a, a, a threat in Zach Eady that nobody else has. Everybody else, every team that they play has to scheme differently for Eady. And no other team causes you to do that in, in this year's field. Um, I do think Arizona is, uh, is in that class. And Houston is probably, I would say, the best defensive team in the country. Uh, at least they're right there. I think they're actually a better defensive team than Iowa State. Um, and they're, they're good offensively. They don't shoot it great. And they don't shoot it great around the rim uh, as you would expect, but they're so good, um, you know, grabbing offensive rebounds and, 
they don't really turn it over that much, and their turnover margin's really good. They wind up turning you over, so they get between the glass and uh, and their ability to defend, they get extra possession. So it kind of makes up for the fact that they don't shoot it great, and uh, and they don't they don't make free throws at as high a rate as some of the some of the teams we're talking about. I mean, they're they're under seventy percent as a team, if I remember right, shooting free throws, and that's something that you know in close games that could uh, that could be an issue. Yeah, we have about 45 seconds left here. Uh, two teams in the ACC, of course, the team where you played, the program where you played, Duke. I think their A game is really, really good. And North Carolina, uh, w- what's their ceiling this year? Can either one of those teams win the whole thing? They can, but I wouldn't put them, uh, you know, with that top tier of teams that we're talking about. You know, Carol, it's been a long time, uh, or at least I can't remember it, where you talked about North Carolina and you led with their defense yeah. as the, the thing that – that they're, you know, they do best. Um, they're, they're not as powerful an offensive team as they've been. They don't shoot it from multiple positions, but they've got a truly great player in RJ Davis. I mean, he had 42 the other night and it's been a long time since anybody's done that at Carolina. Um, but you know, Duke is, is also really good. They're a little bit different than some of the traditional Duke teams that force turnovers. They don't force a lot of turnovers, but both of them are legit and both of them are final four. Good. I'm not sure I'd pick either to win the title though. Fair enough. Jay, absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate that. Thank you. Go Jay Billis, college basketball analyst on ESPN. Up next, ESPN predicted all 32 starting quarterbacks for the 2024 season. I'll say this. Hello, double-digit wins for this team again. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning, is connecting with people. In an unscripted, unvarnished way, is getting to, to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine, And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, 
New customers can deposit $5 and get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. If that first bet loses, download the app, use the promo code VSIN. That's V-S-I-N when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. All right, this is good. It's juicy. Mel Kuyper, new mock draft. Is I'm that what you're telling up. me? I'm fired up. Yep, right okay. now, posted. Uh, let's see. Ooh, we're a little late on this. Two hours ago, posted two hours ago, Mitch. Mel Kuyper Jr., football analyst over at ESPN. You might have heard of him. Number one. You ready? J.J. McCarthy, no. Uh, Caleb Williams, number one. Oh, so he didn't shock the world for content purposes. No, he didn't, no. Now, here is something that I think is somewhat interesting because the market has been moving in this direction. Jaden Daniels is number two. So, like, the market's Mm. been moving in that direction, and Mel Kuyper is saying that he is sticking through it. Several NFL teams, he says, have May over Daniels on their board two months out for the start of round one, which doesn't make any sense because he said that Daniels is going to go number two, uh, but he says he loves Daniels' fit with the offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. So... Number two. Number three. Drum roll, please. Drake May to the New England Patriots. And then that's it, right? Top four is generally the same. Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four. The shock, if you will, uh, J.J. McCarthy goes to the Denver Broncos at number 12. Something I don't really buy, but you made the prop right there, right? 12 and a half, I think, when we talked about it yesterday. Yeah, for me, 12 and a half. Seems to be, I think, the most likely range in terms of what a prop will be for him in terms of draft position. And then scrolling, 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 not another quarterback going in the first round. So four going in the first round, done after the 12th pick. So no Bo Nix and no Michael Penix in the first round. Correct, which will also be correct when the draft comes around. What do you think the odds are going to be for Michael Penix to be a first round pick? That will be posted somewhere. Um, it should be a plus price, and I would it, say... I think it's going to be a like, pretty substantial plus it price. It should be. I, w- I was going to think like 350. Oh, I was going to make it higher, higher than 4 to 1. I mean, yeah. my, my thought was that the market would come in and probably bet it, so you probably shade it a little bit more to the yes. Expecting bets to come in Correct. on it, so... So, but the true odds should be more like, you know, 4 or 5 to 1. I wonder what his draft position prop will be. Second round pick? You think or a third round pick? No, I think he's probably going to go in the second round. So, like, what would you make it? Like thirty? We'll we'll say like thirty-eight and a half. That's wow. That's honestly, that's exactly the number I had in my head for really? some reason. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. But you know, some of these Best teams friends. could actually trade up to the early part of the second round to get him. Yeah. Because the thought is, I think he's going to go at some point in the second round. So, do you wait on Penix to fall to you, or do you get ahead of it and maybe trade up to like Tennessee last year, thirty-three, Will Levis? Yeah. Like, would he go ahead of number 38 and a half on the board? Maybe that happens. And, and the thing is, a lot of people talk all the time, and it's one of my, the most annoying things that I hear around draft time, which is, hey, trade back into the first round. It only happened once. It was Lamar Jackson. Um, those second-round picks are a little bit more attainable when you want to trade up. Yeah. So, like, that's, I think, when you see, like, the move up to go get potentially a quarterback, which would be it. So, I think you see, I think you see movement for Penix Jr., but it's going to be in that second round, not in the first. Okay, so before the break... I said that ESPN did a story, and they're predicting, and it's a fun read, they predicted landing spots for quarterbacks and all 32 teams next year in the NFL. And I said, well, hello, double-digit wins again for this team if this happens. That team would be, I mean, Captain Obvious here. The Chiefs are going to win more than 10 games next year. But this division, in theory, could be much improved if the quarterbacks on two different teams are going to be right, Denver and Las Vegas. I think the Raiders can be a playoff team with the right quarterback next year. Denver could also probably fall in that mix if they have the right quarterback. But ESPN, it, like if this, if they're correct on this, and Denver takes J.G. McCarthy 12th overall, starting quarterback next year, mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy, right? Because mm-hmm. Wilson's going to go bye-bye at that time. 
And if they even brought back Stidham, what, is Stidham going to beat him out in camp? Maybe. But I don't think so. And neither do I. Right. I think it'd be McCarthy's job. And then the other team in the division, the Raiders, they have Michael Penix going to Las Vegas. Now, not necessarily in the first round of their pick, right, right. but probably the scenario that we talked about where Penix would drop to the second round and the Raiders would be able to get him at some point there. I, I like Michael Penix a lot. I mean, what you see is what you get with that kid. He was so fantastic for two years at Washington. Yes, he had really good weapons, but I got news for you. If he goes to the Raiders, uh, hello, Tom um, Telesco just said yesterday, their new GM, we're keeping Devontae Adams. He's a Raider. He's not going to get traded. Right. He'll have good weapons, but also he's a rookie quarterback. I just think the Raiders could do better than having him start next year at quarterback. See, that's why, too, I think, and this is, it's a very short history here, but the Raiders, at least in this current iteration, do have a small history of acquiescing to their players when they demand something. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, right? Max Crosby said, hey, if uh, you guys don't sign Antonio Pierce, I'm going to ask for a trade. Well, what happened like two weeks later? Antonio Pierce was announced as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And what did we hear about, what, a week ago, two weeks ago? Devontae Adams, who's going to stay as a Las Vegas Raider, said, you know, I'd really love to catch passes from Kirk Cousins. I think that you're probably putting a full court press and trying to go and get a Kirk Cousins type if you're the Las Vegas Raiders. That would be my preference. As much as I like Michael Penix, my preference would be someone like Kirk Cousins. Which, by the way, ties into the fact that we don't think you're a first or second. Like, the thought, people would say, well, yeah, go go get Kirk Cousins and then draft Michael Penix. You can't can't sit Penix. He's already 24, 25. Like, by the time you sit, by the time he plays after a year off, like, you're going to be pretty long in the tooth there from from an NFL standpoint. But I also, personally... I kind of I'm we're on odds here. I don't think the Raiders are a playoff team. I think they're a team that are constant that is constantly spinning its wheels. I think if you really look at the way and you get credit for playing well defensively against lesser opponents, their schedule last year in terms of opponent offenses stunk. They were not playing any of the best offenses in the National Football League. And I think if you start to step that up, now you have two games against Harbaugh and the Chargers in that division, on top of what the AFC could be at full strength. I, I think the Raiders are in for a rude, a rude awakening. And when you're talking about spinning the wheels and going and getting another veteran to make your guys happy, just to finish 8-9 and nine again and potentially push for a wild card or whatever it is, I, I don't really see the best for Las Vegas. And I'm willing, obviously, to be wrong there. But I think you're right in that they're going to try to do it because that's been their MO. They're just constantly spinning the wheel. They're the hamster in the wheel trying over and over again to just retool this roster to get back to the playoffs. So if the Raiders got Kirk Cousins or if they got Russell Wilson... You're still going to say non-playoff team? I'd like it more for Kirk than I would Russell Wilson. Oh, so would I. Yeah. But if they get Kirk Cousins, like, I will, look, I mean, I need to preface this by saying that, and if you listen to the show at all over the last three years, the team that I've been the most wrong on for three consecutive years has been the Raiders. I've had their win total under for the biggest, basically sure. the biggest preseason bet that I've made twice in the last three years, and I've gotten absolutely scorched twice. Now, I don't, I'm not going to even, I could run down like luck factor, and if this happens, it, it doesn't matter. I've, got, right. I've lost twice, and one of them was the biggest win total bet I've ever had in my entire life, and lost it. That was a bad loser. So I can't figure this team out from a week-to-week basis or a year-to-year basis, and maybe that's why I'm a little jaded here, because I've been so wrong on it, think that they're going to absolutely, nothing about this team says they should be good over the last three years. And they've completely overachieved, so maybe it does come crashing down. But I think with the right quarterback in place, like a Kirk Cousins, but also I have a, uh, you know, I can change my opinion. If they would not get Cousins, then I won't be as high on the team. Yeah. I also don't really do you love Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator. 
Well, how do you not love Luke Getze? Didn't he work wonders in Chicago with just... <laughs> so other landing spots Was they Getze have... the one that called the three straight screens in the Bucks game? ESPN. They have Cousins actually going to Atlanta. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. Well, I think yeah. you can make the case for Cousins in a lot of spots, right? Yep. Atlanta, a playoff team with Kirk Cousins? Yes. because One, because the division stinks. But two, you talk about depth of skill position players and an offensive line that's really good. I mean, that's Atlanta. That, that team is in that, in that division on the verge of becoming... I think like a 10-win team and yeah. being a playoff squad if you get the right quarterback. Here's my comparison for Cousins to Atlanta. It would be like Flacco in Cleveland, the way that the term I use is he unlocked David Njoku at tight end. Yeah, There's no reason David Njoku should not be a beast in the NFL. He's an absolute elite talent, and Flacco brought that out in him. I think there's a chance Cousins would do that with Kyle Pitts. By the way, Jonu Smith released from Atlanta. Yep. Uh, what about, I'll make a comp, Kirk Cousins to Atlanta is like Matthew Stafford to L.A.? That's a bit aggressive. But <laughs> Dude, the team's like, I think they're right there in terms of their talent on both ends. Oh, crappy division, too. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. You, you get buoyed by that, right? They have ESPN of Chicago taking Caleb Williams, number one overall. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson to Minnesota. See, I don't like it that much because I think Minnesota's going to go teardown mode. You should. I mean, that's why you think. That's why you go back to the Raiders. That's why I think you should, too. Like, ramp up the roster. Let's go. Build this thing up. I don't think Mark Davis wants to do that. I don't think so either. Uh, Jane Daniels to New England. Daniel, the Giants are going to run it back with Danny Dimes. Can't wait to watch it again. Right. Uh, they got to tank somehow. Justin Fields to Pittsburgh, which now yeah. there is some growing sentiment here that uh, that might actually take – that's going to become a real thing potentially. That's one of the early market moves. Odds on favorite to be the next uh, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Mayfield back with Tampa. I think they have to resign him. Yeah. They have Will Levis being the guy in Tennessee, makes sense, yep. and then Drake May to Washington. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Not so sure about, I, I just don't know about uh, Jaden Daniels to New England. Oh, I, that's where I'm at with New England. I think you're, if you're doing it the right way, you're, you're building up before you get the quarterback. You wait till next year. Go get like Jake Browning or something. Acquire him and yeah. then build up the roster. All right, it's natural to bash Purdue after losing to a 16 seed a year ago. There is one thing I can't get over with this team that could make them different this year. I'll tell you what it is coming up next. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.